Tuesday the 14th of February. Welcome to Afternoon Sport. Dan McHugh with you. I'm joined by a co-host, Shadwicker. Hey, mate. G'day, mate. Can you say February again, please? <laughs> Struggling to do that. You don't know how to do it. Hey, you've just got back from uh, doing gigs in Perth and you were at the UFC 284, yeah? Yes, I was, mate. It was a great weekend over in Perth doing some shows and then topping it off. Watching Volk um, win but get robbed at UFC in Perth. The atmosphere of a UFC fight is so good. Like, the three days of events were awesome. Like, you get to go to the presser, then obviously the weigh-in and whatnot. Uh, it was such like such an awesome event to go to the UFC. I cannot recommend it enough. But there was something kind of weird about having to get up. Because the first, like, the prelims started at, at like, uh, 6.30 or 7 o'clock in the morning. Oh, in the morning. So there's, like... Yeah, there's something strange about sitting there having a ham, cheese, toasty and a, and a almond flat white watching a guy get his head kicked in. <laughs> it's like, it's a real weird, it's like, you're kind of like, I don't feel like this should be able to happen right now. But it was uh, still a, a big, long day, but such an awesome event with some really good fights on it. Almond flat white at the UFC, nice. Oh, yeah. Today on the show, we'll be discussing last night's auctions for the Women's Premier League, fallout from the Super Bowl and UFC, plenty to talk about the NRL and more. In life, the most important thing is trust. Without it, everything is a lot harder in a quickly changing and turbulent time. Barclay Pierce Capital is a safe pair of hands, an organisation built on people. They understand you've worked hard to build your nest egg and their asset management business is tailored to suit your needs. Their services help grow your wealth in order to provide long-term safety and security for you and your family. BPC, just a phone call away. Are you thinking about making a podcast? If so, contact the Afternoon Sport Group. We'll make it easy. With the technical know-how and industry knowledge, we'll get your podcast up and running in no time. Get in touch via our website or email hello at afternoonsport.com. The third test of the Oz Tour of India has been moved from the Himalayan city of Dharamsala to Indore. It's such a shame because I was looking this up and I was looking at it more from like a touristic <laughs> perspective. Dharamsala looks like the most picturesque, beautiful place to visit, don't you reckon? Yeah, but I mean, look, it's with Australia at the moment. I think that one of the biggest issues for our cricket side is they're not focused on playing cricket. So it's probably good that they're not <laughs> at a location that is, you know, picturesque where they'll get a bit distracted, to be honest. Uh, I don't care where they're moving it in India, let's be real. Like, we need to get a win back and that's the biggest thing that we're after at the moment. Look, uh, I was speaking to Shane about this this morning and he was saying that this is just adding to the woes of a very, very tough tour. So we'll see how the boys go, hey? Yeah, it'll be a tough one. But the big thing is, I reckon, in cricket overnight, it was really exciting. A few weeks ago, we saw the the auctioning off or the bidding for the new teams in the Women's Premier League over in India. Mm. And last night, we actually saw the auction for the players, which is... Still something is not a massive cricket head myself. It's still something I still try to wrap my head around, the idea that these clubs bid for players. Even the BBL one kind of confused me. But so many Aussies made some cash from the WPL. Yeah, the highest price went to an Indian cricketer, Smriti Mandana. 
but the top price for an overseas player went to our very own Ash Gardner. I'd love for you to name a bunch of the other Indian cricket players. <laughs> I think I did, I did all right. Smriti Mandana? <laughs> Maybe. Uh, yeah, you're right. Look, Ash Gardner was the uh, the top Aussie uh, in terms of pricing that was bid for uh, with $558,000. Beth Mooney was next. They both went to the same one. They went to the Giants. Elise Perry went to the Royal Challengers Bangalore. And she went on her own. She's like one of the few Aussies that didn't have another Australian come with her to her team. So Shane was saying the salary cap per team is only $2 million. Mm. So when you see these huge prices, I, I think Ash Gardner was around 500058 Australian yeah. dollars. Yeah. So that's like a huge portion of the whole team's cap, right? Yeah, massive. Then you had some of our uh, other players that only got their base price which was is something like 75,000 or 50,000 dollars yeah so I think our top five rounded out I think fifth was 128,000 dollars and then it went up from there so but this is huge for obviously women's cricket but it's also pretty good for when you think of like women's sport in general because this shows a country like India putting such a massive investment into the women's side of what is their number one sport uh, and actually having the investment when the teams were bidded for and the, the amount of money that was getting thrown just to have a team, that kind of showed just how exciting this new league could be and then just how you know much commercial investment can come into a women's uh, sport like in the side of cricket. So it's pretty exciting stuff. Yes, and something else that was super exciting was the Super Bowl. I know you were on the road for your oh, yeah. comedy tour. Yeah. Did you manage to watch the game? Hell yeah, dude. I was up the next morning and I went straight down to a pub in uh, in Maylands, actually, in uh, in Perth, the other suburbs there. And I was, it, honestly, it was one of the best Super Bowls I've watched. It was such an exciting game, real back and forth. I'm a Cowboys fan, so I'm obviously biased. I wanted the Eagles to lose. Uh, even though our own Jordan Malata and Sippus were in the uh, in the Eagles side, but it, it was obviously marred by a holding penalty at the end, which we'll get into in a moment. But what I do want to give like flowers to is Patrick Mahomes. Two weeks ago, before the the Super Bowl, injured his leg, high ankle sprain, played through the match. And they managed to win. He got the two weeks off, which is what they do before the Super Bowl, came in healthy, and then at the end of the first half, goes down again, injuring the same ankle, limps off the field, grimacing in pain. The Eagles turn around and score, go into the half with a 10-point uh, uh, lead. And then Mahomes comes back out, and he only missed one pass for the entire second half. One incompletion, was never sacked, Right. He played almost a flawless game. And that incompletion was him throwing it away. It wasn't like he threw a bad throw. He decided to throw it away instead of getting tackled. He was an absolute freak on a whole new level. The Eagles did everything they could to try and win that one. Obviously, the holding penalty at the end was where uh, one of the final plays, the Chiefs were kind of rounding out the clock. Um, and they ended up getting a refreshed set of downs because Bradbury on the Eagles grabbed the jersey of a Chiefs uh, receiver as he was running for the back corner of the end zone. It was admitted by Bradbury afterwards, Dan, that he did do the hold. He was just hoping that the refs wouldn't call it. <laughs> and I mean... That's good you know, sportsmanship. That's good sportsmanship. It is. I'm pretty sure all the people in his locker room would hate it. I'm pretty sure all the Philly fans would absolutely hate him saying that. You could argue, like, I don't like that it was the call, that it's that's when you decide to make a call and end the game. Uh, it is a little bit of that classic thing in, in the NFL where, you know, if a penalty gets missed, you generally get one back a lot of the time. Uh, and that kind of happened. I mean, there was a lot of holding calls that weren't made. 
earlier in the match for the Chiefs. So, you know, it sucks for Philly fans. It's awesome for a Cowboys fan. Sucked in Eagles, cry, Eagles, cry. But um, Patrick Mahomes is really solidifying a guy who's in his mid-20s who's looking like he's going to be in the Hall of Fame when he retires. It's two Super Bowls in four years for the Chiefs. It's uh, Patrick Mahomes is the first MVP, regular season MVP, to win the Super Bowl since 1999. Oh, nice. So he's broken a hoodoo. Uh, yeah, it was a huge, huge game for the Chiefs. It was unreal. That ankle must be full of a few drugs, though, hey? Oh, mate, whatever they put in him <laughs> in the halftime there, like, honestly... <laughs> Get your hands on it. It's, it's always the case with this, isn't it? Like, there's something, those cortisone injections, whatever it is that they're doing back there that get these guys to be able to run back out. Because he looked, it really looked like he was done. Like, there was a bit there, and then even on the sideline, he started to get up and walk it off. But you were like, you could see he wasn't as mobile. And then he comes out in the second half, mate, and he had one of the longest rushes of the game. So he actually ended up running more as he came out in the second half. All right, stay with us, because after this short break, we'll be talking AFL, NRL, UFC, and more. The new Elite Bet app has arrived. It's got all the betting features you expect and new ones you're going to love. Elite Bet is your one-stop shop on race day with Hot Bet, where you can back the tips of proven winning punters. Build fast sports multis and play same game multis. The Elite Bet app is the smoothest betting experience around. Trusted for 10 years, Elite Bet is 100% Australian owned. The only betting app you need this summer is Elite Bet. Gamble responsibly. Now, this next story, Shad, when I saw there was an IBSF World Cup, I only saw the IBS bit. Uh-huh. And I was thinking, now here's a sport I could compete in. Oh, but actually, it stands for International Bobsleigh and Skeleton Federation. Okay. Um, and Australia's Bree Walker has claimed a second World Cup monobob medal over in Austria. And what is a monobob, Dan? Uh, it's it's like bobsled, but just one of you. Oh, it's just a one bobsled. It's a mono. So like the big dog. You're chucking a mono the whole way down, mate. I always fast wonder how Australians become like internationals for this in the sense of like, you know, in my head, as someone who's only been to the snow like a, a couple of times, and to be honest, I, only went, I went to Threadbow once and I went to Whistler once. But, like, in Australia, I'm like, where do you train? Well, I, th- I think you'll find a lot of the people who do win these medals um, spend quite a bit of time overseas. But then how do you get to a point where you go, I think I'm good enough to relocate overseas? I, I don't know the answer for for everyone, but if you look at Zali Stegel, who, you know, is now a politician, I believe she actually spent half her life over in the Swiss Alps. Ah, right. So that's how someone like... That gets the chance to, you know, train hard and yeah. actually spend some time in some good snow. But I don't know how it goes first. I'll tell you what, it's not for me. It's not for me, the bobsled. Jumping in a, into a bullet and just going straight down. Like, just, screw that. Just a bit wearing tights and in the cold. <laughs> hey, uh, the FIFA Women's World Cup seems to be fast approaching. I think it's July. And some of our big name players are returning home. I'm pumped for this FIFA Women's World Cup. It's going to be great. There's a bunch of games in Brisbane where I live, uh, which is going to be awesome at Suncorp Stadium. And it also is like a little bit of a dress rehearsal for us to be like, hey, we can host any major sporting event with multiple countries here. Uh, And look, the biggest names are coming back to play for our Aussie side. And Sam Kerr is returned to Australia, ready to go. She's the best player in the world, mate. She's the best in the world. Sam Kerr, Sam Kerr. She's crushing it with Chelsea, absolutely crushing it with Chelsea, coming back with us. Also, did you, you probably already heard this anyway, we've upgraded the stadium. 
that their, that our first game is going to be at because we sold tickets so quickly for the opening game for the Aussies. Mm. I mean, this is this is really gearing up this Women's FIFA World Cup to be huge. I'm excited. Hey, speaking of um, heading home, did you see this young bloke in the AFL who's headed back to Port Adelaide from North Melbourne? Yeah, so we've got a first pick leaving North Melbourne because obviously North Melbourne are awful. What a surprise! <laughs> <laughs> like, I just think uh, I think it's funny. His name's Jason Horn Francis, and the media are trying to make it seem like he's you know a bit of got a bit of a bad attitude but when, when you actually see him dropping his gags he's actually you know he's just being cheeky he's a pretty humble dude yeah I've, look I think you know it's, it's it is I get a little bit in two minds with this right so one I'm like okay yeah like a bit cheeky that's cool you want to leave and North Melbourne's awful but like it, it, when things like this happen and I think of other sports that have a draft system and these things kind of happen it really kind of makes the draft look stupid. Yeah. Like, if you pick... It's like, what's the point then? Yeah. Because, like, the worst team always gets the first pick. Yeah. And the point of that is to help rebuild their team. Yeah. But if your first picks start to leave, what looks worse here? Is it the draft, the system in general, or is it how bad this team is? Like, you know, if you look at the NFL and the NBA, well, the NBA is more of a lottery, so it's a bit more, a bit different. But in the NFL, like, you're the worst team and you're supposed to get the best player, and that's supposed to be, over the course of a few years, a change, you know, a franchise-changing move. Um, and I'm like, for me, I'm kind of like, this really looks bad for North Melbourne, obviously, because you can't keep a first kind of guy. And then it also does look a little bit bad on a player because you go, well, you don't want to stick it out with a team that, you know, gave up their best asset to get you. Hey, uh, speaking of switching teams, have you decided which team you're going for in the NRL this year? Oh, uh, piss off. <laughs> you know, like I'm I'm loyal to I'm loyal to rugby league, you know. Um, so are you, you going to go for the Dolphins? Look, I'd like to, but here's the thing, mate, and I've said it on this podcast before, it all depends on who's paying me to do work. <laughs> so did you see the Dolphins doco trailer then? I did and I'm excited for it. I think it's going to be really cool. I, I, um, I'm intrigued to see it. Like Wayne Bennett actually saying positive things is fascinating. The the fact that they're, they're teasing it, and I'll, I'll wait to see it, but if they're going to give us some insight into what happened with the Dolphins trying to recruit these players, which is what they've said they're going to, you know, the rumour is that there's actually footage of, you know, conversations with player agents and a little bit oh. of the wheeling and dealing and it's like yeah, if, yeah. if that's going to be in there I'm so fascinated to see yeah that is that is that's actually interesting yeah like what what happened there like why did they get to around and and also yeah we know outside of the circle that the dolphins were used as a bargaining chip for a lot of players to get better contracts so I'd like to see how that happened you know what happened with the Munster deal that kind of stuff and also the building of the side because late last year I think I told you Dan but I don't know if we said it on the podcast because I probably wasn't supposed to but I went to the Dolphins offices to do some work uh, and it was like a recording thing with Wayne and they were still in makeshift offices that were like near the utilities kind of shed like you know what I mean like you had to go you actually had to go through the kids gaming section of the leagues club and it was like behind it and it was like you know you could hear the vents making noise and stuff and it was so when you first mentioned this doco i was thinking 
Wayne Bennett was like Dwayne Johnson in Ballers, but now I'm, I'm, I'm really not feeling that anymore. No, I, th- I think it's going to be quite good. I think it's going to be interesting. But Hey, um, did, yeah. did you see um, Gordon Tallis was giving it to Wayne Bennett for not rocking up to the pre-season matches for the Dolphins? Yeah, and I, I'm with him. I think it's kind of, I think it's a bit strange that Wayne wouldn't Yeah, why, why wouldn't Wayne be at the games? Yeah, it seems so strange to me that you wouldn't go to what is essentially the first NRL game for the site. I mean... Obviously, I, I think it's weird because it's like, aren't you supposed to be seeing how this new team's gelling together and who's going to be playing where and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, it's just the, the optics of it. Then the other part of me thinks as well, though, is Wayne is the best coach to ever do it. He's been around forever. If he thinks that going to that game is pointless, I've, I've got to take his word for it, don't I? Yeah, I guess so. He knows what he's doing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, so I've got to think maybe he knows what he's doing. But, yeah, it's not a good look. Um, but they, they actually looked okay, though, as a side. Hey, speaking of knowing what he was doing, mm. uh, this is my little segue. The uh, Kalen Ponga mystery of the shared toilet cubicle has had some new light shed on it. Yeah, I love that. And apparently we've been given an inside scoop into what really happened. Yeah, I love that. I love that someone finally decided to ask Caleb Ponga what happened in the toilet cubicle. Um, Can you tell us what you were doing inside that toilet cubicle, Caelan? I was sick. Uh, he was there to help. Uh, like, what were you sick from, Caelan? Uh, so, food that I had earlier. Um, yeah. His answer was just that he was sick. They asked why Kurt Mann went in there and he's like, yeah, he was just in there to help. And it's like, all right, mate. Hey, maybe maybe he was sick. Yeah, maybe he was maybe sick. Maybe he was I, helping. I did look back at the footage and it did look like he had a runny nose. So maybe we did have the sniffles. <laughs> Shad, I'm a bit sick in the guts. Will you come to yeah. the t- toilet with me? No fucking sure way. Thing, mate. <laughs> what was he going in there for? To hold your hair back? Shut up. <laughs> Honestly. Hey, um, the UFC on the weekend was simply awesome, and I know you were there, mm. uh, so I don't think we can talk about it enough, but have you seen the Alex Volkanovsky tweets? Do you reckon he was ripped off? I, Yeah, look, I think – here's my thing, right? I think that he's in Australia. He, in my view, and I'm not a massive UFC know-it-all, but he, in my view, won that fight. But the one thing I've always found out about the UFC from fans and also when you listen to, like, you know, the talking heads that know what they're talking about is if you want to win a title, you have to take a title. And I think that the big difference in the Volk fight was I reckon he won, but I don't know if he took the title off the champ. Like, if you go to the points against a champ, the odds are you're going to lose. You know what I mean? Like, look at Adesanya. Yeah. Like, is, is he his... Yeah. His reign, he went to points like he did dominate a lot of people in the points department. But like, you go to points, the judges' scorecards are always going to lean towards a champion a bit more unless you absolutely dominate him. But when you start to yeah. see that, like you know, Joe Rogan and friends, they know what they're talking about, and they were adamant that Volkanovski had won and taken that title. Um, but that that one draw uh, judges' card that was, you know two points different was absolutely incorrect. Like, there's no way that would have been the case. And the other part of me thinks that, you know, you've brought the fight to Australia. He's outperformed what anyone thought. Um, and is Like, you haven't seen Islam troubled like that before. Like, Volk's done something yeah. that, that has never been done to him or anyone from his camp. Absolutely. And yeah. I sit there and I think, you're at home. If anything, this should have leaned our way. Yeah. 
and he should have won that title. I'm interested to see what the UFC decides to do because they know that Makachev Volkanovski 2 will be gigantic. And I'll tell you this much, when that fight does happen... Volkanovski ain't going to be four dollar odds. Yeah, let's just hope they actually the um, UFC allow for a rematch. Well, we got to see because Volk's supposed to come back down to his weight class and defend his title because there's an interim belt. Yeah. So they'll, I would imagine they'll both go and fight two different fights, and then if they're both champs, probably come back. Um, or would the UFC go to the interim champ who was also crowned that night with Rodriguez? Hey, you're going to have to wait a year. I don't think they're going to do that. Um, I reckon maybe they'll come back to Sydney and Volk defends his title in Sydney, potentially later this year. Who knows? Did you see that uh, Dan Hooker accused Islam Makachev of um, using an illegal IV drip to rehydrate ahead of the match? Yeah, I'm interested to see what what comes of this accusation, if anything at all. But I'm fascinated because at first and still people are a bit like, oh, he's accusing it of... Islam, but it's still a little bit vague as to who he's talking about, but I'm pretty sure it is Islam he's talking about. Um, I feel like it's just one of those things where you never, nothing's going to happen from it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, and and whatever he did do, he was still troubled. <laughs> so it just makes vocal even better. That's it for Afternoon Sport today. Make sure you hit follow or subscribe wherever you listen. A big thank you to our sponsors. Yeah, shout out to Barclay Pierce Capital for getting on board with the show. And we'll be back tomorrow with your daily dose of sport. See ya. Thanks for listening to Afternoon Sport. If you enjoyed the show, why not check out one of our other podcasts, like the Building Resilience podcast. Noel Allnup, the CEO of Securo, explores the minds of world-class performers in order to deconstruct their life tools and ethos that can help us create growth and optimise business. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts or head to afternoonsport.com. Afternoon Sport.